All right. It's an experience. If you go there, it's really an experience. It'll come way uplifted. All right. So what do we want to talk about today? Okay, so it's the Easter message, and uh, I thought it was appropriate to talk about that. So it means we're not going to meet before Easter again. And uh, I entitled the message intentionally, What's So Good About That Friday? And it's the Easter story, all right? So, uh, you know, on a Sunday morning, you, you all know it, on a Sunday morning almost 2,000 years ago, something happened that would change all of history for all of eternity, amen? Because Jesus Christ, I like that. I like an interactive audience. You can yell out amen, you can clap, you can, you can roll on the floor, you can give me a uh, hallelujah, I love it, all right? So let's hear, let's hear some activity. So if you hear something you like, you can just shout it out. Okay. As soon as I said it, I'm Michael Moore, he started shouting out, all right? Anyway, Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, right? He, he came, he, he, he rose from the dead that day. And yet, yet dying was the whole reason that this God-man was born. It was the purpose that made Christmas necessary, amen? Yet, you know what? The Easter story didn't begin with Jesus Okay, being born, it didn't begin with Jesus' crucifixion. It didn't begin with his resurrection. It began long before human history because there was no plan B with God. God loved the people so much that he was going to create that he created this plan of redemption from the very beginning of history. Because he had a desire, he had a desire to bring broken people back to himself. And he knew they would be broken as long as they had free will. And what a perfect plan. Long before history began. And today is the story of Jesus' resurrection. But, but you know what? I want a key today to tell that story keying more on Good Friday. You see, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we want to believe it or not, all of mankind before Jesus was under the law of sin and death. The Bible tells us that we were born in sin. And I'm going to use a lot of scriptures today, and you can follow along on the screen, okay? Let's look at Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, God handed down his law through Moses, but that law did not save man. What it did was it convicted us. Even Paul says, I did not know I coveted until I heard the law that says thou shalt not covet. Okay? So the, the law was there, it convicts us. The law is a guideline how a man should live before a perfect and holy God. And breaking that law is sin. And even one sin is enough to separate us from God for eternity, which is called death, right? What happened on that Sunday morning in Jerusalem, however, changed it all. It changed it all. Because, see, before Easter Sunday, there had to be a Good Friday. 
And yet you may ask, or you may wonder today about the things that you know about Good Friday. You may still wonder what's so good about that Friday. Let's pray, men. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you today with our hearts open to hear your word, not mine, Lord, not mine, to hear your word. Lord, change me as I hear it. Change each man here. Let us get a new appreciation for Resurrection Sunday because of what happened on Good Friday. And let every man walk out of here today closer to Jesus Christ and closer to wanting to do his will because we heard from him. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our God had a perfect plan of redemption from the beginning of time. His timing was perfect. Just like his timing was perfect when his Holy Spirit called you by his irresistible grace to have faith in Jesus Christ. You see, without the shedding of blood, the Bible tells us there's no remission of sin. Yet that blood had to be from a perfect being, from a perfect being, sinless. And that punishment that should have come to us for our sin could only be exonerated by God himself. And that's why he sent Jesus. Amen? His sacrifice was made once for all, one sacrifice, once for all, by a perfect, perfect Lamb of God, who someday, someday will come back for his elect. Because you see, that perfect Lamb of God is also the Lion of Judah, who will reign forever and ever. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That same lamb is our advocate for you and me. He's our intercessor. But only, only if we have placed our faith in the finished work of Christ for our salvation. Have you done that? Has each of you done that? If not, if not, I'm going to pause for 30 seconds. And again, as I said so many times, it's not the words of the prayer that saves. It's the condition of your heart. If the Holy Spirit has brought you here curious today, okay, and he's nudging you, Now's your chance to respond. In any words that your heart leads you to, we're going to have silence. And the men that do know Christ, please pray for that one or two that just may be here and is willing and ready and called to accept Christ. In your own words, from your heart, you can say it much better than I can lead you. Just ask Christ to come into your life and save you and be your Lord and Savior. Let's pause for 30 seconds.
Okay, hallelujah. If one man has said that if you have, share it with your table. Share it with your table leader. Praise God. So, so Good Friday's significance, Good Friday's significance is that on that cross, that Sunday, on that Friday afternoon, on that cross is where, see, justice, justice actually met, actually met Christ's unconditional love. And together, his love and the judgment that had to be paid created mercy on that day. You see, when Jesus stepped out of that tomb on Sunday morning, men, mercy came alive. Paul tells us in Corinthians 15, without the resurrections, we have no hope and we're men most miserable. Yet look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what's so good about Good Friday. Look at Isaiah 53.5-6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Remember that in John 10, 11, God tells us that a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's what's so good about that Friday. If you're fearful today, if you're worried, if you're bitter, those feelings can weigh you down and place a stone on your heart that you cannot remove. But the one that removed the stone from that tomb and walked out of that tomb can remove it for you and for me. We need to come to Jesus with our burdens. That sinless Jesus Christ he took every sin that ever existed or ever will exist onto himself, on his body, and died on the cross so that three days later he could walk out of that tomb. He rose from the dead, and mercy came alive on that Sunday morning, and that's what was so good about Good Friday. Amen? When we celebrate when we celebrate this ultimate act of mercy, we must never forget, never forget the price that was paid on that Friday before there could be an Easter Sunday. A Catholic priest, I saw to you this before, named Bertrand Weaver, wrote in his book, pay attention to this, it's heavy. He wrote in his book, His Cross in Your Life, the arms that must be used to achieve victory in the battle of life are revealed with stark simplicity by St. Paul when he says that the church priest preached a crucified Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God. The implication in these words is that men will win in the warfare of earthly life if the wisdom which Christ taught from the cross saturates their minds 
and if the power which he won through his cross invigorates their will? Are the lessons he taught from the cross saturating your mind? That's what's important on Good Friday. Are those lessons that he, turned, that he taught from that cross saturating your mind today? And if it is, that should invigorate our wills. Let's look at those lessons as revealed by the simple but eternally profound seven mere sentences that Jesus Christ spoke while on the cross. That's the whole story. That's the whole lesson. Number one, he taught forgiveness. I'm going to go through these fast. Look at Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Do you and I have that kind of forgiveness? The God-man whose flesh was torn beyond recognition and a crown of thorns placed on his head, bleeding, unrecognizable, the Bible says. And he's saying the first lesson from the cross he's teaching, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lesson number two, redemption. Let's look at Luke 23, 43. And he said to him, truly I say to you, this was to the thief on the cross, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Willing to forgive. You know, a lot of people say, well, one, one thief was, was, was coming down hard on him, and the other one was saying this. No, in one of the Gospels, it says they were both railing on him. And then right before this one's death, it shows it's never too late, right before his death, he saw what was going on, and he changed, and he told the other thief, the other murderer, you know, we deserve what we're getting, but this man has done nothing. So Jesus provided redemption on that cross. Lesson number three, caring for others. Look at John 19, 26 to 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home caring for others, dying on the cross, and still worrying about his mother and about his brother. Do we have that kind of caring for those in need? That's a lesson that we learn from the cross. Lesson number four, oneness, wanting oneness with the Father. Matthew 27, 46, at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time, for the first time, Jesus was feeling forsaken by the Father. For the first time, his spirit was separated. Because you know why? 
when the Father looked at Jesus on that cross, what he saw for that instant was you and me in all our sin, so that when he looks at us from now on, after we have accepted Christ, he sees the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that what's good about Good Friday? Lesson number five, dependence on the Father. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I first. He was calling out to the Father. He was in need. He was dependent. I first. And what did man give him to drink? Vinegar. Lesson number six. Jesus' complete work of salvation. Look at John 19.30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. It's finished. The work of salvation is finished, and you and I could add nothing to it. That's a lesson learned from the cross. Quit trying to work your way to heaven. Quit trying to operate from a position of trying to get the victory. The victory is won, and it's won by Jesus Christ. Lesson number seven, complete trust in God. Do we have complete trust in God? Look what Jesus said in Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus trusted the promise of God that when he gave up the ghost, he knew he was going to walk out of that tomb and be forever be seated at the right hand of the Father because that's what he was promised. Do we look at Jesus' promises and trust in them? It was a day of miracles, men, all designed from eternity past and fulfilled during those three days. And that's what's so good about Good Friday. Men, do, do you have victory today? Do I have victory today for real? As we get ready to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, are you and I winning this battle of the earthly life by allowing the wisdom that Jesus taught from the cross to saturate our minds so that it can invigorate our wills? Or do we allow the trials in our lives, which are actually, which are actually could be opportunities to grow in Christ and demonstrate our lives to a fallen world, are we allowing them instead to rob us of the joy of our salvation? Give those burdens to Jesus, I implore you. Look at Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has tempted, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what's so good about that Friday. How about Hebrews 10, 12? But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's what's so good about that Friday. Our advocate, our intercessor, it's finished. That's what's so good about that Friday. You see, on the cross, mercy and judgment, mercy and judgment collided. And on the third day, hallelujah, mercy prevailed. I love the words of Psalm 85, 9 to 11. For it gives me a picture of what happened on the cross of Christ on Good Friday. Here's what it says. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Listen to this. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. The cross on which they nailed Christ was the convergence of the greatest suffering ever and the greatest mercy. God's forgiveness. It was on that day of resurrection that peace, peace and righteousness kissed each other. I love that. It was on the cross, it was the cross that led to the resurrection for our salvation, our righteousness, our peace. And that my friends, is indeed what was good about that Friday. We need to all let those lessons from the cross saturate our minds and the power which Jesus won that day invigorate our wills if we're to win the warfare of this earth. And we are in a war. During Jesus' crucifixion, even, even natural, even, even there was even miraculous natural events happening, as you know. Number one, the sky turned black. Matthew 27, 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. In the Old Testament, darkness, darkness was, was associated with death. Number two, natural, natural miracles. The very thick curtain in the front of the Holy of Holies ripped down the middle. Okay? No one was allowed beyond that curtain except the high priest, and that was only once a year. That curtain was ripped. Matthew 27, 51. 
And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now there was nothing blocking the access between us and God because Christ was the new temple. And that curtain that used to block it and only the high priest could go in, we now have full access to the Holy of Holies, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? In the Bible, in the Bible there was a, it says there was an earthquake. The same verse. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. In the Bible, earthquakes often happened during some divine event, like when Moses was receiving the commandments and the mountain shook. Number four, dead people came out of their graves. Matthew 27, 52, the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. God likely used the earthquake to bring Old Testament saints out of their grave. And what did this show us? It demonstrated that Jesus holds the victory over death. Amen. And number five, last but not least, Lives were miraculously changed that day. Many began to realize that Jesus was who he really said he was. Look at Matthew 27, 54. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. You see, the truth always has the power to change your life and mine. Always has the power to make all things new. Always has the power of giving fresh starts and forgiveness and purpose to those of us that would simply, simply believe. And men, I can't say it enough. That's what was so good about that Friday. Romans 10, 9. Because if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple, yet it's profound. The most powerful story ever told. That's what's so good about that Friday. Jesus rose from the dead on that first Easter. He rolled away the stone, and he came out of that tomb. And that same spirit that quickened his mortal body lives today in you and in me if we are in Christ. Jesus, Jesus had to die on that Friday so that he could walk out of that tomb on Sunday. And because of that, here's, here's the result of that. Those of us in Christ can be free. We no longer have to fear death. We get to have God's Spirit living inside of us. We get to be unconditionally loved by God forever, and nothing can be, take, him out of our, take us out of his hands. 
And we can be sure that we will live for Christ for all of eternity. And God gives us a great and perfect purpose for our lives. And my friends, that's what's good about that Friday. Now, we need to take all these facts about Good Friday and those lessons learned from the cross and truly let them saturate our minds and let the power that Jesus won on the cross invigorate our wills. But yet, we need to do something. Faith without works is dead. Take all that Jesus has commanded you and teach it to the dark and dying world. We can do it. Revival starts with us, and it starts today, this instant. We, meet, we all need to be men that God designed us to be, not the men that this culture is trying to get us to be. Amen? We need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. We Christian men need to lead in our homes. We need to lead in our churches. We need to lead in our communities. We need to lead in the nation. We need to lead in the world. Take the training that you get here week by week and all the other programs you've been through and use it for the glory of God. We don't need Christian spectators. We really don't. We don't need Christian spectators. We need men, Christian men, that are not ashamed of the gospel to intentionally lead. And above all, we need to seek God's face every single day. Listening to his call to accomplish extraordinary deeds for his glory. And I close with the words of 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the Easter story, my friends. A story where perfect justice met unconditional love. A story we need to bring to a dark and dying world. May the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. And may we put our total and unyielding faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for those lessons and those seven sentences that you spoke during your crucifixion. We thank you for those lessons from the cross. Father, please, as we go through this Easter season, let us think of those lessons and let, let us get up and do them. Do each and every one. Because there's so many out there that need to hear about you, Father. We ask, Lord, that you let those lessons that you taught us from the cross truly saturate our minds and invigorate us into action, invigorate our wills. And that each man, including me, walk out of here today because we heard from your son and want to be more like him and do the things that he commanded us. 
And we'll give you thanks, Father, this season and for all of eternity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And all the brothers said, Amen. God bless you all.